Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast packed full of news, views and opinions. Brought to you by fans, journalists, even comedians sometimes. We just love to talk about the Premier League round here. So if you like what you hear, hit subscribe and that way you won't ever miss one. We do this every single day of the Premier League season until the campaign is done and dusted. And if last night's action is anything to go by, there's a long way to go yet. Stacks of goals and games to get through on today's show, including Christian Pulisic again showing just how good he can be. Chelsea beat Crystal Palace 3-2 at Selhurst Park, taking them above Leicester in the race for Champions League football. The Blues now third, the Foxes dropped to fourth after they picked up a 1-1 draw against Arsenal. Norwich's doom deepened as they were bested 2-1 by Watford. A Welbeck wonder goal scooping three vital points in the race for survival. And West Ham would have had an eye on that game. They take on Burnley tonight. We'll preview that one at the London Stadium, as well as Manchester City versus Newcastle, Sheffield United's clash with Wolves and Liverpool's trip to the MX Stadium. I'm Niall McCorn. Welcome along to the podcast where alongside me today we have Adam Keyworth. Hello, Keezy. Hi, mate. You all right? Yeah, very well, thanks. We've also got Steve McNaughton here too. Hello, Steve. Hello, Niall. Now, let's not waste any time. Let's crack straight on with last night's games as there's absolutely tons to say on today's Football Social Daily. I want to start at Selhurst Park, where it finished Crystal Palace 2, Chelsea 3. And it was a a game of great goals, to be fair. Wilfred Zaha scored a brilliant goal. Christian Pulisic scored a brilliant goal. And it's Pulisic who I want to focus on, Keezy. He was excellent again. And I want to know, in your opinion, have Chelsea got the first potentially world-class American player on their hands. We know soccer's been exploding in the US for the last 10 years or so, but we've not really seen a top quality talent come out of America yet. Could this be the first one, do you think? Yeah, I think I think since Clint Dempsey, there's not been anyone like remarkably or notable that's come to the Premier League. Really. I think Pulisic has, when he was playing, what was the last game before the Palace game I, I watched him in? Um, and I couldn't believe he's 21. I thought he was a lot older, which which says a lot about him. And um, I watched him in the City game, obviously, and he's got a lot about him. He's got, I don't like making comparisons to Hazard because he hasn't got that low centre of gravity, but he's got that dribbling ability that not many players have got. I didn't didn't expect when he signed for Chelsea that he'd make such an impact. And it took him quite a while, I think, to get in. Mm. But he looks like a proper player. And he scores, he scores all sorts of goals as well, which, again, not many players playing that position can do so Chelsea have got a proper player on the hands and I think as well the the signings of Ziyech and and Werner and talk about Havertz will have given him that extra little bit because he knows now that he's 
he's going to have to really secure his place and another great goal against Palace so he's he's flying annoyingly I think it'd be interesting to see how Alfonso Davis from Bayern Munich progresses as well because we could have a world-class Canadian player before mm. a world-class American player but I think they're both on a, a trajectory to good things and again amongst the goals that will please Frank Lampard in a 3-2 victory over Palace um who would have been disappointed with their recent run of form because they would have had eyes on European football as well. I mean, they've been in and around the top 10 for a few weeks now, but it looks like it might be a stretch too far for them. Good news for Lampard. Giroud and Abraham both scoring two strikers on the score sheet. Always good news. But it would have been sad from a Chelsea perspective, even though he was on the opposition side, Steve, to see Gary Cahill go down with injury. Such a great servant for Chelsea Football Club over the years. He's been so important for Crystal Palace since he arrived there. I mean, he started the season injured, but he got back into the team. And I was just thinking before the podcast started, would he have not been a better choice for Arsenal in the summer than than David Luiz, where they paid uh, a few quid for him and put him on a decent contract? You could have picked up Gary Cahill on a free, who's more experienced, or if not as experienced as David Luiz, and he's less prone to a mistake. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they've let that one slip really uh, because Gary Cahill he's, he's never ever let anyone down Gary Cahill even when he was at Chelsea towards the end he was he was always a really good defender and I think a few eyebrows were raised when he went to Crystal Palace and we were like oh that's interesting that he's, he's gone there and we felt like he was almost going out to pasture there but he's been an absolute rock in, in their defence for him he brings leadership which is badly missing in Arsenal's defence um, he brings a composure about him and, and he's a great pro and fair play to Roy Hodgson and Palace because they've spotted an opportunity and they've jumped on it yeah definitely I think Gary Cahill might have been a better choice than David Luiz personally what do you think let us know on Twitter at the Sports Social you can also get us on Instagram as well just search for Sports Social so Crystal Palace 2 Chelsea 3 good news for Chelsea Keezy is that they leapfrog Leicester and we'll talk about Leicester a little bit later but Chelsea now will have solid ambitions of that top four spot but it still doesn't feel that it's completely secure for them no I, I think it's still well up for grabs up there um, we'll get on to Leicester later on but Leicester getting that point was a bit of a ooh maybe maybe there's still there's still hope for Leicester I think that Chelsea's issue and it's kind of been most teams issues is they kind of can win these games but then they lost to West Ham and that West Ham game on paper looked dead simple they beat they beat City and Leicester and then lost to West Ham and they've won two since but they've got some huge fixtures coming up they've got Sheffield United They've got United away. They've got Liverpool away. Wolves at home. They've got the hardest running of anyone in that in that mix for the top four. So it's so vital that they win these games against Palace, against uh, Watford. They need to get those points in the bag because it's going to be a struggle. And it pains me to say, but it, for me, it's United now who are in the driving seat for maybe even third at this point, which you wouldn't have seen coming four weeks ago. So it is good though that we discussed a few weeks ago whether at the end of the season there's going to be much to play for it looks at this point that you've probably got four teams battling for two spots now so it is exciting so with Chelsea they need to get points uh, in the bigger games now they beat City but they're going to have to beat United Liverpool Wolves they're going to have to get probably two wins out of those games so tough running but I've, I've been impressed with Chelsea they've conceded more Premier League goals than uh, Newcastle United this season, which is mad, but at, at least they're good fun to watch. I find them very good fun to watch. I'd, I'd go as far as to say in all of the uh, the restart games, the Chelsea games have always been the best watchers in neutral. 
there's been goals, there's been great goals as we saw last night. The West Ham game was a thriller. The game that, where they beat us was great. So he's got them playing some interesting football. Whether they're secure enough at the back uh, is anyone's question, but decent. I think there's a question mark in goalkeeper as well, isn't the Keezy? Yeah, def- definitely. Kepper for me is he's a strange goalkeeper. Chelsea let Petr Cech and then Thibaut Courtois go. Two of the most solid goalkeepers. Courtois turned it round at Real Madrid now, and they've got Kepper in for an astronomical amount, and he he's prone to an error. The, the Sahar goal last night was a, a screamer, but when you look at it, I, I keep looking at it thinking, is Kepper even tall? Is he even tall enough? I'm, and I'm not. I'm a I'm a midget, but is Kepper tall enough to be Chelsea's goalkeeper? He doesn't look it. He probably is. He doesn't seem to have the reach of a Czech or a Courtois. It's a bit odd. Um, so I'm I'm not convinced by him. To be honest, I'm not convinced by Chelsea's defence at the best of times. So, And I think that's where Chelsea... They've bought a striker. They've bought an attacking midfielder. It looks like they might buy another one. You, you do wonder whether they're going to need for next season when they've got this great attacking squad. Are they going to need another couple of defenders and a new keeper? Because... That at the minute's where what's letting them down. They've they conceded forty six goals. It's it's madness compared to like you've got they've conceded nearly double Liverpool's goals. So you're not going to catch Liverpool conceding twenty odd more goals than them in the season, are you? So yeah, they've they've got a long way to go to be the challengers. But um, yeah, I've, I've been impressed by Lampard and Chelsea in a weird way. No, I I agree. I think defence and a good goalkeeper is what was you know the bedrock of Chelsea's success for so many years and it's definitely something that Frank Lampard would know well being in those sides that were successful for Chelsea in the in the 10 years uh, or 15 years that he was sort of really successful with the club so I certainly think he'll have his eye on that and you talk about Manchester United as well making a tilt for even third spot well that last day of the season looks really tasty as well with Chelsea playing against Wolves and Manchester United playing against Leicester could be all to play for but the final score at Selhurst Park Crystal Palace 2 Chelsea 3 now, another game that took place yesterday, Watford 2, Norwich 1. Craig Dawson and Danny Welbeck with the goals for the Hornets and Emmy Buendia uh, with a goal for Norwich. The uh, the winner, the clincher from Welbeck in the 55th minute, an overhead kick securing a big, big win for Watford. If Norwich had won that game, it could have made it interesting down the bottom. But the gap now between Watford and Villa is extended to four points. Between Norwich and safety is about 10 or 11 points. So I don't think they're going to get out of it. But this game, it would have made West Ham sweat too now that Watford have picked up the three points Steve, it, it really does put the pressure back onto West Ham, who picked up a great win against Chelsea, but could only draw with Newcastle last time out. Yeah, it does. And, it, you know, I think that it's so tight down there now. You know, if you were looking at it, you'd think the, the bottom three will go. But I think there's some twists in the tail with this one. I think, you know, Watford needed that big time last night because they haven't been in great form uh, since Project Restart uh, commenced. And um, West Ham, after getting a good result against Chelsea, will will be kicking themselves that they've lost that lead at Newcastle at the weekend. And you know they've got a game in hand which which they need to win. Um, have, have they got Burnley tonight? Yeah, they have, haven't they? West Ham. Mm. Yeah, yeah. They've they've got to win that game. They can't they can't get a draw or lose that game. Uh, I think. And um, you know Brighton, I think will be safe, but. Yeah, huge, huge uh, connotations for West Ham that last night. And, you know, fair play to Nigel Pearson and Watford. You know, they're not, they're not the most easy on the eye team. Um, but he's gone in there to do a job. They've said to him, stop us getting relegated. 
Um, he stopped the rot last night. Um, they've got a build on this win last night, but relegation is getting really spicy at the minute. So um, I think it uh, with, with four games to go, I mean, Norwich are condemned. You know, they were condemned mm-hmm. a long time. No wins in six. They've somehow got worse since, um, you know, we, we've restarted the league. And, um, yeah, I, I was thinking about this last night. And I remember when we started doing the podcast in August for the new season. And haven't Norwich, like, spent one... Didn't they spend, like, 1.2 million quid on players? Yeah, a million. Uh, when, when they were promoted. Just a, a million. million, yeah. I mean, it's... Too, I don't know who's in charge of strategy. Though. I don't know if they've got a director of football in place or who reports into the board or who's responsible for developing a strategy. But you, know, you cannot come into the Premier League and, and just be woefully inadequate in the transfer market like that. I'm not saying they should have done what Aston Villa done because that massively backfired on, on them at present. But to come up and spend a million quid is just... It's almost suicidal and it's almost admitting defeat before the season's even started. But you've got some talented players in there. You know, Buendia, who, who stats are really good. He's had a really good season. And obviously, you know, Todd Campwell and, and Max Ahrens as well, you know, they'll probably do well to try and get moves elsewhere, I think, you know, when the relegation is is, is confirmed. Mm, well, the chap in charge of, of transfers or the sporting director at Norwich City is a guy called Stuart Webber, who was actually director of recruitment at Liverpool between 2009 and 2012. You think about some of the signings that you made in in that period, Steve, as a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Maybe that'll answer your question. <laughs> God, the, the, the problem we had getting some of them off the wage bill, you know, it was just horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was also, though, to give him his credit, he was also director of football at Huddersfield as well, and he oversaw their promotion to the Premier League. But certainly, it's a big ask, Keezy, to spend a million quid and expect to stay up. I've got, yeah, there's a couple of points here, and I don't want this to sound horrible. Um, it seemed to me pretty early in the season, and this is what I find quite strange, that Norwich were almost kind of like just nonplussed about the fact that they weren't picking up wins and they were all right and, yeah, they, they score a few goals. But it was almost like they were always ready to go down. And I'm not saying they've not put up a fight and the players have given up. I just think they've, they've known pretty early doors were probably not good enough to stay up here. And they haven't. they didn't do anything about it in January. And it, they are a team that who, when they do go down, they're going to be in a really good position to come back up because they've always done it. They've been that yo-yo team who can go down, rebuild and come back up. And like like Steve says, it's there's some great players in that Norwich. By great, I mean the batting well above the team at Norwich. The, I'd say arguably the entirety of the back four will get a move. Some great young English players in there, Godfrey Lewis, Aaron's, you got Campwell, Buendia. Pukki will end up getting a move as well, despite him going bang out of form. Those players are going to get big moves, and I think Norwich will be fine, but they are down. I find the whole Watford winning last night, you look at West Ham's next two games, they've got Burnley at home and Norwich away. They have to get six points there. They, they've got to get six points, because if they do get six points there, they're safe. And it kind of condemns Villa and Bournemouth, because if you look at Villa and Bournemouth, yeah, Villa have got United tomorrow. They're not going to get anything there realistically, but for a massive upset. Bournemouth have got Spurs tomorrow. There's probably the slightest chance you'd put on paper of an upset there, but Bournemouth and Villa over the next two games could be condemned with Norwich, really, if West if West Ham can, can kind of get their act together. But then you look at Watford again, and they still need probably five points to stay up. And they've got Newcastle next, so they get... I think Watford and West Ham have given themselves 
a big chance now of just kind of getting away without letting it go to the final game of the season. But Villa and Bournemouth, they look in real, real trouble now. I'm I'm kind of glad for, for Watford. Like Steve said, Pearson's come in, he's doing a job and I quite like him in the fact that he'll just get his hands dirty and get it done. Um, I hope Watford stay up. I hope for Jim's sanity that West Ham can find a way out. Um, Villa, if they do go down, are in so much trouble. They, Like Steve said, they, they've done the total opposite of Norwich. They've spent so much money and it's just not worked. And they're going to lose the best players and they're in trouble there. And Bournemouth, as we've spoken about a million times before, if they get stripped of their players, I don't think they're in a position where they're a... a I don't want to say big enough club because it sounds horrible, but they're a club that you can see not coming back up for a while. So, yeah, it's it's looking... It's looking down there like it's shaping now. A few weeks ago, we didn't know which way it was going to go, but now you can see some shape. Brighton are out of it. Uh, West Ham could join them in, in a couple of games. So could Watford. So you you would imagine at the minute, though, the bottom three as it is would is looking like the bottom three that will go down. Well, I know it's not until tomorrow, but just a quick one ahead of Bournemouth's game with Spurs. Since Bournemouth were promoted to the Premier League in 2015, no side has conceded more goals than they have. No one, not any club has conceded more goals than, than AFC Bournemouth in that period. Um, and just building on the West Ham point as well, that win against Chelsea a couple of games ago, absolutely massive for them. Could prove to be the difference between them staying up and being relegated. And also that final day of the season, West Ham versus Aston Villa, that could be really, really interesting. Anyway, Watford 2 Norwich won a final score at Vicarage Road. Now it's time to move on to the Emirates where Arsenal drew 1-1 with Leicester City. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang chasing down Jamie Vardy in the race for the Golden Boot only for Jamie Vardy to equalise for the Foxes late on with six minutes to go. Eddie Nketiah was shown the red card, the young striker for Arsenal, uh, after a VAR check was dismissed. Uh, a rather late challenge, studs up. You can see why it was given. Didn't look too disappointed as he walked off the field. But the final score at the Emirates was a goal apiece. Steve, was this a better result for Arsenal or for Leicester? Because in the end, the Foxes have been overtaken by Chelsea, uh, but it did take them late on to get the equaliser. I think Leicester needed that win last night, mate. I think it, it was vital that Leicester got three points yesterday um, because they're just falling out the top four, aren't they? You know, they've gone from being... I mean, I think they were even second at one point this season, weren't they? And, mm. um, you know, I remember Gary Lineker tweeting saying that, um, you know, we thought that Leicester were um, uh, the, the uh, biggest threat at that moment in time to Liverpool. Um but they've just kind of, you know, they're not in great form. They've they've won one game in five, and they've got to start picking results up um, because United. There's a good energy about Man United at the minute, and you know there's buoyancy with them where there isn't with Leicester. They've they've scored with six minutes to go yesterday, so they've kind of managed to to strangle a draw out of that game yesterday, and um, the point hasn't really changed anything for them. Um, Arsenal, obviously, are, are looking to consolidate You know the Europa League place. They're not going to get Champions League football, Arsenal. Um, it is going to be Thursdays and Sundays for them next season. And um, I think, yeah, Leicester will be, Leicester will be thinking, we, you know, we've, we've let ourselves down a bit there last night. We should have been a bit more robust and we should have um, been a bit more ambitious and, and, and tried to come away with the three points. But... I just fear that Leicester will will run out of steam. Yeah, they've definitely been poor since the turn of the year, let alone since lockdown. Um, you know, they have struggled. It does look like they're they're there for the taking. They they might well be gunned down by Manchester United or even Wolves at this rate. So, you know, a, a point was enough um, to kind of keep 
I guess Leicester fans satisfied last night that they still got a decent chance of clinging on to the Champions League and they did capitalise on the Arsenal red card. But if you were to pick between the two of them, um, Kesey, Aubameyang or Vardy in terms of a race for the golden boot, Vardy's a goal ahead, I think on 20 or 21, I'm not quite sure, but he's certainly a goal ahead of Aubameyang. Danny Ings' name's been thrown into the hat as well. I mean, who are you picking out of those two? Because there's no chance Ings is getting it, surely. (laughs) I want Ings to get it just to annoy you. Um, (laughs) I think... uh, I think it'll be... There's your Southampton, <laughs> Yes. I think it'll be Vardy. Um, and this is no slight on Leicester, but he seems to score all of Leicester's goals. Whereas Arsenal, other players do get goals. Lacazette gets a few, Pepe gets a few. So I think it'll be Vardy on the basis that he is their goal scorer. And yeah. And do you know what? I I kind of want Vardy to get it to add to his mad story. So um, yeah, v- Vardy for me gets it. I think... Uh, there was quite a bit of controversy in that game around Vardy anyway with the... Uh, did you see his kick-out or supposed kick-out at Mustafi? It was a weird one, that. Uh, the Inketia one for me, red card, because, yeah, it was unfortunate. His feet were up. I don't think he intended it, but it is a red card, so fine. And the referee looked at the screen, which is great. You'd, like, we see that once every six months by the looks of it, but um, that was done well. But I, I thought the Vardy one was odd. I don't see his foot being in a natural position there. It was a bit a bit weird, but he got away with it anyway, so it doesn't really matter, does it? But that would have been a real blow for him and Leicester if he'd have missed three games from a red card. I think he's done him when I've looked at it. Yeah, I think that he's he's actually swung that foot back it towards his face. <laughs> well, he got away with it, Jamie Vardy. In the end, he didn't, didn't he? But Eddie and Ketcher didn't quite get so fortunate. He was sent off with 15 minutes to go, so he'll miss the next couple of games for Arsenal with suspension, but it finished 1-1 at the Emirates Stadium. Aubameyang and Jamie Vardy with the goals for their respective clubs. Right then, that's it for the first part of Football Social Daily, but don't go anywhere because after this, we'll be looking ahead to tonight's fixtures, including Manchester City against Newcastle United and a big one down the bottom where West Ham take on Burnley. Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social, your daily Premier League podcast every single day of the top flight season until it's over, which is only a few weeks away now, believe it or not. We'll bring you a brand new podcast every single day. So if you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button and that way you'll be notified straight away as soon as a new podcast is ready. Loads of games to keep across and we've got it all sorted for you here on the podcast. So it'd be good to have you with us between now and the end of the season. Four games to look forward to tonight in the Premier League. Let's start at the Etihad Stadium where Manchester City welcome Newcastle United and Newcastle will travel to the Etihad without Alan St-Maximin, Miguel Almiron, Andy Carroll and Sean Longstaff that's if reports are to be believed annoying injury pile up for Steve Bruce it has to be said with so many key players possibly out but Newcastle have had to deal with injury problems all season Steve and they've still managed to somehow steer clear of safety so uh, in recent times I always seem to remember that they've had decent clashes with Manchester City do you think it will be the same case this time especially with key players out I think it's going to be quite ugly for Newcastle tonight I think that City will will want to put on a performance tonight um, after after the Southampton game at the weekend and um, I think they'll they'll be going all guns blazing to to get a result and put a performance, I think you know Saint Maximum, Almiron, and and potentially Callum Longstaff are, are big misses for Newcastle, and I think they lose some of the creativity and they lose you know 
providers in that team really that are putting things on on a plate for the guys up top but I just can't see anything that but I think 3-0 to City at least tonight I think they'll they'll really kind of put Newcastle to the sword tonight they haven't got the squad for them type of injuries and um, Newcastle are safe you know the, we, we tipped a lot of them for, for relegation and um, I think City will just pile it on them tonight in all honesty yeah, I mean, it's hard to see Newcastle coming away with anything here, especially against the Manchester City side who have looked, you know, so effervescent since the lockdown period, football-wise anyway. They've scored a bag full of goals. And against Newcastle, Keezy, the games recently, I think in the last couple of seasons, they've been close, haven't they? They've not exactly been walkovers. But um, from a City perspective, are you, t- are you too worried about the result? Are you just hoping for no more injuries for the next month with the Champions League on the horizon? I think at the minute... Um... Because that Southampton game was just weird. Like, on another day, that's 6-1. But just wasn't meant to be. And uh, whatever that might say about City, I'm not too sure. But having spoken to a couple of Newcastle fans, a couple of these players aren't necessarily injured. But uh, they've got Watford at weekend. And I believe that the Newcastle fans think, at, at least, that Newcastle are targeting that game and kind of letting this one slide. Um, I think, like Steve said, we'll come out and have a real go tonight, but he'll change the team again. All of these games now are to work out which team to play in the in the FA Cup semi-final and who to play against Real Madrid. That's all they are now. We need a few results to secure second, um, but if you look at the running, it's it's quite generous. Uh, John Stone starts tonight is is quite big news. He hasn't played for us for quite a while with his like fragile injuries that he seems to be getting, but Pep has said he will start tonight and... He's got a chance now to prove a point, but whether he can or not, we'll soon soon see. And uh, Joe Linton doesn't score goals, and we always let a striker who doesn't score goals score goals. So I think it'll be a I think it'll be quite a fun game to watch. You know, um, Newcastle are going to come and do what they did in the FA Cup game. Whether that's right or wrong, they're going to come and try not to lose. And then if they go a goal behind, they'll try not to lose three 0 So if we can break them down, which we couldn't against Southampton, it could get ugly if there's an early goal but you never know at the minute you never know which side we're going to pick you don't know who's going to play the last game he, he didn't start De Bruyne Foden um, so it, that starting 11 could be absolutely anyone at the minute so I'm I'm almost more interested in the team news but like you say all this period is about is get the team right for Arsenal get the team right for Real Madrid and don't lose any of the key players if we lost to De Bruyne now you may as well have been been off the Champions League and I know that sounds defeatist but you need those top players so it's it is a balancing act you're right you, you can't lose players but we also need to start winning games again we're, we're very patchy mm, especially without Aguero already to lose another one of those big hitters will be a big blow for Manchester City so City against Newcastle United 6pm kickoff tonight at the Etihad in the Premier League another one of the 6pm kickoffs takes place at Bramall Lane where Wolves travel to Sheffield United it's a big game for both sides Steve both sides looking for European football although slightly different ambitions Wolves knocking on the door of the Champions League three points behind Man United same amount of games played and it's a chance there for Wolves to put the pressure on um, with as we've mentioned before in the podcast Leicester still there for the taking in that race for Champions League I I think this is a really fun fixture for the neutral I think that uh, Sheffield United, uh, a, a win puts them right back in it um, and certainly would go some way to consolidating a bit of Europa League football for them. Like you've just said about Wolves, it, it puts them um, you know, on um, uh, equal points with Manchester United. 
And um, I think they've both got to have a go tonight. And I think that uh, Wolves will be keen to get back to winning ways after a great start uh, when the season reconvened, um, after getting beat by Arsenal 2-0 at Molyneux uh, last time out. And, and Sheffield United have, have had patchy form. You know, they've, they've kind of drawn two, lost two and won one. And um, I think it all it's all set up for two teams to have a go at each other and, and, and entertain us as neutrals. And two great managers, two really good squads, uh, playing two good brands of football. And I, I'm looking forward to watching this one in all honesty. Yeah, for me, I think this is uh, one of the picks of the night in terms of games as well, particularly from a neutral perspective, as you mentioned, Steve. But let's focus on Sheffield United for a couple of minutes, Keezy. They obviously are still clinging on to the hope of European football. Europa League would be a massive achievement for them. First season back in the top flight after 12 years. Uh, as Steve says, a win really puts them back in the mix. If they beat Wolves, they'll overtake Spurs, who have a game against Bournemouth tomorrow. But... I mean, with sort of everyone being inconsistent and, and kind of not picking up consecutive victories in that top 10, certainly Sheffield United won't feel that they're they're out of it just yet. No, and especially with that crazy spirit that Wilder seems to have put in them that they never, they never seem defeated, even in games where they get kind of thrown aside. So, And they'll go above Arsenal as well tonight with a win. And like you say, it puts pressure on Spurs, it puts pressure on Arsenal they'll then be looking at Wolves saying, you know what, we could probably nick them as well because there'll only be a point behind there. I think, like Steve said, and you've said yourself now, this is this is a real good game and I'm gutted that they're on at the same time as City, but to, in all honesty, I'll probably have an eye on this game uh, whilst the City game's on because it there's so much to play for. Wolves getting a win here throws them right back into Champions League football. A defeat for Wolves here and they're, they're well off the pace again. So it's it's kind of all to play for. I really hope Sheffield United can get something here just to really pile the pressure on Spurs and Arsenal because I want to see how they can react, Spurs, because they've been so patchy and almost like defeated before they're going into some games. So that will really change things. I, it's been weird with Sheffield United. Obviously, they were in great form before the break, but we all said at the start of... Uh, the the re, well the recommencement of the Premier League that um, Sheffield United didn't need the break and I don't think they did they were in such good form they they seemed like they needed a game to carry on so they seem to have been affected more than a lot of teams and Wolves even before the well they've been odd since they've come back as well they've not been as ruthless they've not been as defensively strong that Arsenal game kind of summed up their restart so. This is that game that you look out for and say, I hate using six-pointer, but it is. It is because if Wolves if Wolves get a result and they go level with United, United then tomorrow need to win to, to keep up with uh, the top four pace. So it's a shame that this game is happening now and not in two weeks' time, really, where you're really getting down to it. But do you fancy, I mean, surely with, with the form book, and I know Sheffield United haven't been as good as they were before lockdown as they have been since the restart, but if you're looking at form and available players and all the rest of it, surely you've got to go for Wolves, Steve. Is that is that not the obvious pick here or is, is it going to be tighter than that? I think, it, it, I mean, it would be fairly obvious on paper, but I just think there's a little glint about Sheffield United. Like we've already just said, you know, Wilder and, as, as, and his band of men that he's, he's put together have, have done a fantastic job this season. And I think they'll... 
they'll have their tails up and they'll want to go for it and they'll want to make that statement um, because there's mo- there's significantly bigger teams than Sheffield United that are much further down the table than them. And I just think that, you know, that's his kind of mission, isn't it? That's the mantra. That's that's what they've got to talk about. They've got to say, listen, we're in with a chance of making some history here because everyone tipped us, including me, to go down this season. And if they can can get Europe, Europa League football, that is incredible. And I think, you know, that that's his, that's his team talk for him. And um, Wolves, very similar position. Um, you know, great squad, great manager. Very difficult to beat. You're always in a game with Wolves. And I think the problem with, for when you're playing Wolves is that they bring they like to bring Adama Traore off the bench, don't they? And he, he is a nightmare, as, as Keezy will attest to uh, from when they, they played Wolves at the Etihad. And um, it's just... I, I think it, you know, one of you just said it's like a cup finalist tonight and I, th- I think it is I think it's shit or bust for both of them tonight mm-hmm. I think they've really got to go out and it's vital that they, they get three points tonight and I think when you've got two teams that are saying it's got to be three points I think it, I think it's great but you would lean towards Wolves It's a shame that this game isn't isn't like the premier fixture tonight I know that Liverpool are on and everyone watches Liverpool but they're the only game in that eight o'clock slot, and I wish that this was the game later on because. And I've just had a look at the goal difference. We said about them both not conceding many and not scoring many or whatever. Uh, Sheffield United's goal difference is one, but they've they've scored thirty four goals, which is the least in the top half of the table. They've they've scored less than Newcastle, but look at where they are. So they've scored less than Southampton. They've scored less than Everton. Less than Brighton. Brighton have scored more goals than Sheffield United. It's crazy. So if they can nick this and get a 1-0, I mean, either way, whichever way this goes, it's, there's going to be a story in it tomorrow. Yeah, certainly. Sheffield United versus Wolves is going to be fascinating tonight. 6pm kickoff at Bramall Lane in the Premier League. Now, the final of the 6pm kickoffs this evening takes place at the London Stadium where West Ham welcome Burnley to East London. Watford won, so the pressure goes back onto the Hammers. But if they play like they did against Chelsea, and we've mentioned this earlier on in the podcast, Steve, surely West Ham will be all right. If they can turn out performances like they did against Chelsea, and I know the draw against Newcastle wasn't the worst result, but they need to do more to maintain that gap to the bottom three, as we've discussed previously on the show. I know they they let the lead slip, but if they can try and, you know, bring out some of that performance level that they found against Chelsea tonight against Burnley, then they should be okay. Yeah, I think I think so. And they, again, they're a team where they, they've got to get a result tonight. Nothing less than three points it will do West Ham tonight. And um, Burnley, it's probably the, the outside bet, isn't it, for European football this season? I think if Burnley get beat tonight, you wouldn't fancy them. I think they'll be in that group with Everton, you know, where you're thinking actually it might be, be a bit too much of a stretch. But, you know, Burnley, again, you know, the... the, the um, uh, you know the the well organised Sean Dyche will have them well drilled. He'll set them up tonight to be difficult to break down. Burnley, I think Ben Mee might be out tonight, which is a big loss for them. Mm. And um, I think you know, for Jim Salverson's sake, <laughs> I think you know West Ham can't you know have got to perform tonight. They have got to put that Chelsea level of of work rate in, and they've not got to kind of give up and. I think, you know, West Ham, West Ham, there's goals in the West Ham team and I think they've just got to keep it nice and tight at the back. West Ham's biggest problem is they've conceded 58 goals this season. They are very, very leaky at the back and um, I think if they can be tight tonight, um, I think, you know, they might fancy themselves to get a win. 
and um, crawl away from that that relegation mix, you know, because then, you know, if they've got, I don't know, seven points on on Villa and Bournemouth, that that you that's massive, you know. You you think to yourself, actually, they they've probably done the job there, um, and then it's kind of you know it's it's Watford Villa and and Bournemouth then, isn't it? So. Yeah, again, it's it's another game to look forward to tonight, and and two teams that that will be going and guns out. Yeah, with the way the season's gone, you do think that seven points should certainly be uh, a big enough gap to to be comfortable. But we'll have to wait and see because this season has thrown up plenty of twists and turns, and one of those might be Burnley getting into the European places. They're still chasing European football; they're not out of it. We don't really talk about them in that vain too often but certainly with the inconsistencies of the sides around them Spurs Arsenal Crystal Palace fading away as well by losing yesterday there certainly is a chance for Burnley to get into European football and they might do that if they beat West Ham tonight Uh, but as you say Steve they are missing Ben Mee so that game at the London Stadium West Ham versus Burnley a 6pm kickoff right the evening game tonight takes place at the Amex Stadium where Liverpool travel to the south coast to play Brighton and Hove Albion 8.15pm kickoff We've mentioned it, I think you said earlier, Keezy, you feel that Brighton are clear of it now. They do have a six-point cushion, but they do have one of the tougher run-ins. But they kind of got the hard work done after the season restarted with the victory over Arsenal. Neil Mope with a late winner. They managed to get a point at Leicester. So, you know, they've got some good points in the bag since the season resumed. And a point could go a long way here against the champions. Yeah, um, I can't see them picking up a point against Liverpool, just like I can't see probably any team picking up any points against Liverpool now. But they don't need to. Um, 36 points saw them safe last season. Uh, we all know what I think about Graham Potter. I absolutely love the man. Um, he's done a really good job. A really good job this season because that team has been very iffy, to say the least, this season. Just to stop um, you there, building on that, they replaced Chris Hewton with Graham Potter. Yeah. And they wanted a better style of football. They wanted kind of more bang for their buck, so to speak. Has he delivered that? Because they've still been kind of down there in the bottom reaches of the table, probably just about surviving in the Premier League, which is the same we've seen from Chris Hewton. Is it fair to say that Potter's done a better job than Hewton? Would that be accurate? Uh, probably not. Not yet. Um, but he's, they need to give him time to build on it. If that's going to be the project, then he needs a couple of seasons to do that. He's sorted out the defence a little bit, but again, like some other teams, they really struggle to score goals. Uh, Mopes dug them out a lot this season but they, they're safe for me the what nine points above Villa and Bournemouth they don't need a point against Liverpool and I, I can kind of see the game going that way where they'll try not to get humiliated at home but I can only see Liverpool smacking in a few goals just on the basis that Brighton are safe and Brighton have got matches they've got games left over I think where if they do need to pick up one two points they've got Southampton they've got Newcastle and they've got Burnley so they'll probably get one point from those five games if you're being really pessimistic they've got Liverpool and City one after the other at the moment uh, I'd be stunned if they get anything out of either of those two games uh, but they've done the hard work they've done the hard work before the push comes to shove in the next few weeks so they're, I wouldn't say they're going on holiday that'd be disrespectful to them but they're 
high and dry now for me. They're, mm, fine. they're already on holiday. Brighton Beach, lovely place. Uh, anyway, not let's talk about it. It's not bad, is it? Let's talk about Liverpool, Steve. Do you think it would be a disappointment between now and the end of the season if they don't break City's record of 100 points in a season? Considering the position they've put themselves in, you would expect them to do it. You'd expect it to be routine tonight against Brighton. But if they don't break the 100-point barrier... Is that an opportunity missed? I know records don't really mean much. The fans are delighted with the league title, but do you think there'll still be a, a tinge of disappointment on Merseyside if they don't break City's record? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think that considering that they've lost two games this season, um, I think they, they would be very frustrated if they didn't do that. I think, um, you know, they've got... I mean, I wouldn't say the running that they've got that you know the the last four games is is particularly easy. They've got Brighton tonight, then they've got Burnley at home on on Saturday, and then we've got Arsenal away, and then Chelsea at home. Um, you know, to Arsenal away and, and Chelsea away, we, we, I think will be Chelsea at home. Sorry, I think will be difficult, but it, it's all there to play for, and I think there is an element of you know we we're just glad we've got that monkey off our back now of of winning the the Premier League, and. Um, we're all still kind of buzzing about that, and um, I've not really given it a lot of thought. But I think you've got to keep going, and you want to get the maximum out of the season. And I think um, it would be nice to to get that points total. But I think um, I just want to see us performing really, and I just want to see us be because apart from the the the, the Crystal Palace game uh, where we we looked really good, mm-hmm. you know, when we beat them four 0 at Anfield. I don't think we've been that great uh, since since you know the, the season started again. I think you know we were poor against Everton and um, um, you know we beat Palace. Um, we got trounced because we just didn't show up against Man City. And um, I don't buy into the narrative that we just didn't take our chances on that night and that we were in a game. I thought City were were miles better than us. I thought um, on on that night and and we had to huff and puff against Villa at the weekend. And when we've brought on. Um, you know Henderson, Wine, Alderman, and, and Firmino. That's changed the game. But I just want to see a performance tonight, and I want to see Liverpool be businesslike. I want to see that intensity there, and I want us to come away with three points. But I want us to do it with a bit of style as well and a bit of flair because I've not really been that impressed with us since since we've started again. Um, nowhere near the levels what we were pre-lockdown, and um, I expect three points tonight, and and anything less than that, I think will be a massive opportunity missed. From a City perspective, Keezy, obviously you don't want Liverpool to break that barrier, 100-point record from uh, from your club, but do you think they will? Yeah, um, and I, I think this isn't a dig. I think them, it's the only competition, competition they're left in, so they can't save themselves for FA Cup, Champions League, because it's it's gone, so they have to go for it. There's no You can't have that excuse of there's a rest period, and I don't think Klopp or the team as we've seen with the intensity all season, they're not going to let that drop now, especially when the one thing left for them to do now is break the 100-point barrier and break the most wins in a season. And I'm almost certain they will do. Like I said before, the only the only way I can see Liverpool dropping any points is if that Chelsea game is for Chelsea to get in the Champions League. And that's where they'll have a game. Same with the Arsenal game, but we know how Liverpool-Arsenal usually turns out. So there's probably no worries there. Um, but yeah, I, I can see them doing it. What do they need? Like they need four wins to break it out of five. I'm almost certain they'll do it. And they, on the balance of things, they deserve to over the the season, especially before the the lockdown. You would have imagined that would be the case anyway. So 
I, I would be surprised now if they don't get it. But I would be happy if they don't. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest. Of course you would. Of course you would. So City and Liverpool both in action tonight. But Liverpool travelling to the Amex. 8.15pm kickoff tonight in the Premier League against Brighton and Hove Albion. Don't forget all the match previews for those fixtures and match reports from tonight's games will be up on our brand new website, sport-social.co.uk. So you can go over there and check it out if you want to find out the latest Premier League news and who's available for which team and who's injured and who's suspended and all the rest of it. Just head over to that website. The address again sport-social.co.uk but that's it for today's Football Social Daily thank you Steve thank you Adam cheers cheers lads my name's Niall McCorn thanks for joining us on the podcast hit subscribe you won't miss another episode again because we'll be back again tomorrow Football Social Daily get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa just ask Alexa open Sports Social